Welcome everyone to the Mail Fuzz TV News Podcast. I am Peter and joining me as always is Connor. Still here. I didn't think you'd be free today. I thought you were doing Star Wars celebration things all weekend. I, no, I, I only got tickets for one day, so I'm going tomorrow evening to... I'm traveling tomorrow and doing the Sunday. Oh, so you missed all the actual, like, news parts of it. No, there's there's more news stuff on on Sunday. Well, the movie and TV news was today. Uh, there's so the, the, the the big the proper news, the big news, yeah, the, the one that, the the book news that I'm excited about is on Sunday. Uh, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, I'll I'll take your word for it. Not my area of expertise, but uh, yes. Shocking. So t- TV news podcast. We get together. We talk about pilots, renewals, cancellations, series orders, all that sort of nonsense. And, uh, yes, that's that what we're going to do. So, uh, we will get into things. Uh, we have not a lot of renewals and cancellations. Uh, in fact, out of the three shows I'm about to mention, I've only heard of, or I only remember one of them. The other two I've never heard of. Okay. So, uh, the Big Door Prize has been renewed for season two at Apple TV. I don't uh, know what that is. I don't know what it is either, but it stars Chris O'Dowd, apparently. Has that has that started airing yet? Because as yes, I believe it's currently airing. I think they're about to air episode four. Okay, if, they've I, not marketed this one very much. I don't have it in front of me, but when I read this news earlier, I'm pretty sure it said there were only like four episodes in or whatever. So, Fair um, enough. yeah, that's the big door prize. Which honestly, I almost skipped over this because it sounded like a game show. <laughs> yeah, it does sound like a game show. I mean, maybe that's part of the point. I don't know what the show's about. Yeah, being Irish. Uh, maybe he's an Irish game show host. <laughs> uh, cancellation side of things, uh, the one that I do vaguely remember, just because it pops up every so often, is The Resident has been cancelled at Fox after six seasons. This was a medical drama of some kind. Yes. That, that describes a lot of TV shows, let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, if you put the word evil after it, I'm interested, but Resident on its own is just... Was that boring. was was that show before called Resident Alien? Oh yeah, with Alan Tudyk. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, people liked that one. That's the paranormal spinoff from Resident Evil. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> the alien one. Uh, and then also cancelled is Sex Life, uh, Netflix, which only had two seasons. So don't know what it is. Bye bye to that. It's Sex Slash Life, just to be precise here. It's, there's a slash between them. Still don't know what it is. Yes. I didn't think that would be the clue that would would give it away. I just... No, no. to be fair, names with a slash in like that are slightly more memorable if I've read them. Sure, yes. It's not as common, but... Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Sex slash life. Actually, it sounds better if you say the slash, honestly. Sex slash life. Yeah. Sounds more like a show. Got more of a ring to it. Alright, uh, well, premiere date then. We got one uh, for The Crowded Room, which is an Apple TV limited series that is coming on Friday, June 9th. I've got a description here for us, since you're probably curious of what it is. Uh, The Crowded Room follows Danny Sullivan, played by Tom Holland, a man who is arrested following his involvement in a shooting in New York City in 1979. A captivating thriller told through a series of interviews with curious interrogator... Raya Goodwin, played by Amanda Seyfried, 
Danny's life story unfolds, revealing elements of a mysterious past that's shaped him and the twists and turns that will lead him to a life-altering revelation. Okay. I, I'm i interested purely because I don't think I can... I definitely haven't seen any role that Tom Holland's done that's remotely like that. I no. can't think of any. Do, you know, yeah, that sounds a bit darker, like maybe he did it, maybe he didn't. You know, yeah. Was, was, or, you know. Uh, yeah, because I saw the, the, the review's not out yet. It won't be out till the end of the month. But I did recently watch and review Uncharted, and one <laughs> of the one of the, the key feelings I had watching that is that Tom Holland, well, he's perfectly likable. He just plays Tom Holland. He just felt like he's Peter Parker again. I didn't get any kind of mm. different vibe from him in that. Uh, but admittedly, it's another light-hearted blockbuster. So I mean, I guess what Malik. It's got a really. similar tone. I mean, that it's aiming for, so I guess, but this feels like a wildly different project to anything else I've seen him do. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that's a couple of names, uh, anyway, in there. Yeah. Uh, period piece, that's something, too, so. Yeah, yeah, uh, might have some style to it. It sounds like it might be kind of a, a gimmick show as well, where it's mostly the interviews that kind of do most of the story. Quite this, possibly, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, 9th of June that is premiering. Uh, right, we got one bit of general news as well. and But this is, you know, relatively... Uh, no big news yet, but it's worth keeping this in mind because this is the build-up to the potential writer strike, which uh, Ooh, yeah, we've got some uh, news here. So basically, the, the vote is being called for the Writers Guild to vote on whether or not they should strike. Uh, the voting is going to start on April the 11th, uh, 8.30pm Pacific, specifically. They've been very accurate about this. And it's going to end on April 17th at noon Pacific. So they've got six days, basically, to to vote. Um, and there was some news this week as well of them, like, they were supposed to, like, have, like, a two-week break from meeting uh, the, whatever governing body on the Hollywood side the Writers Guild talked to. Yeah, right. They were going to have more. They were going to have like a break from meetings, but they've been scheduling extra ones. So they're this is clearly. I'm being reminded of last time where they're having extra meetings and they're going to work to the wire and they're going to go. Us- to- usually implies that they're getting somewhere. Yeah. Well, it, the cause didn't sound like they were too happy yet. Like, like they weren't the addressing the the change in how the economy is, is particularly in the. Mm. I put one of the big things that all the guilds are dealing with right now is that unless you're above the line, meaning the, you know, the director and like the, the big cast names, like if you, if you're not in that upper echelon of who's getting paid on a project, if you're just, you know, someone who goes to work at a movie or a TV show, if you're, you know, just someone who shows up to set and does their job and gets paid a, a regular wage, uh, those people are all kind of, you know, struggling. Like the, 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 it's not quite as lucrative as it once was, so they're kind of so the writers presumably are feeling that as well. And yeah. Then obviously the same thing as last time. I'm sure the debates over royalties with streaming services, how you get paid for shows on streaming services versus TV networks. You know all those debates. I'm sure they're still. Yeah, being and contested. I'm sure we spoke about this. I don't know if it was last time that this happened, or if it was just you know at some point since. Uh, I don't think the if if a strike does go ahead, I don't think we'll see the same impact that we had in you know years gone by with previous strikes. I think because of obviously you'll feel it on network TV, 
that that's inevitable. But I think with cable and streaming services, they'll just spread their content out slightly more. You probably won't feel the drought quite as much as as you you know you no, would have done I, ten I, years ago. I think it's like a a gradual thing. You'll feel it most with network. I think you'll feel it less with cable, but you'll probably still feel it a bit more with cable than you would the streaming services. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's like a sliding scale, uh, just because of the way that they, they they have content in advance, and you know everything they'll be on post, they'll just sort of spread out a little bit. But I think I don't think it'll feel like as well uh, in a, in a post pandemic world where we had a huge break of everything shut down right for months. Mm. If this writer strike, it would have to go on like months again to have any sort of impact along those lines and to feel like that oh yeah i mean there's no debate in the pandemic felt like a bigger drought you know not at the start of the pandemic but well kind of that, that was the weird thing it wasn't I just hit, it hit the network stuff almost immediately well that, that's the thing though it wasn't just like the creation of content the content that was already made was being held when it came to movies specifically content that was already finished was been held back because they didn't want to release it without the, the movie theater without some kind of money-making method, understandably. Yeah. So the the drought across movie and TV for the pandemic was bigger than the writer strike from 2008. But it was very understandable because everything was going on a break at that point. It didn't feel out of place there. Which, honestly, that pandemic being still relatively very recent in terms of like all the, the you know, the, the 2020 to like mid-2021 kind of like just absolute wasteland of nothing Mm-hmm. That more than anything is probably the motivation for both the guild and Hollywood to come up with an, a solution because they're probably terrified of like going anywhere near any kind of like drought via strike. But also, I feel like for the the general public who have just been through that huge drought again compared to any writer strike that we've had before, if, I don't know if they'll feel it. You know, after that, this won't feel as bad, right? No matter what happens, it just won't feel as bad as that. Nah, nah, that's true. Besides, I mean, what are the writers even coming up with these days anyway? They announced a bunch of Star Wars movies today, and all I could all I could hear from the announcements was somehow a Palpatine returned. So, I hate that. That's <laughs> accurate. <laughs> I don't know though. They have an opportunity for the funniest retcon of all time. Oh, if they retcon that. <laughs> She's not a Palpatine. We swear. We imagine, swear. imagine retconning the retcon. Uh, mm, <laughs> um, yeah, anyway. Uh, so yeah, that just seems worth updating on the potential strike uh, and the, the yes. ongoings of it. Yeah. So uh, that was the, the main part of it this week is that the, the vote is being called for the potential strike. So we will have news on that. Not the next time we do one of these, but the time after we should have heard something. Probably, yeah. Uh, there was a there was a writer from. I'm trying to remember what show it was. I don't know it's some cop show or something. But there was a writer who said that he was like on active service. And this was like a, a showrunner writer, not just like a regular writer staff okay. room. It was like a showrunner of a show that was on recently, or maybe even still airing. And he's on active duty for the Navy again, just to help pay his bills. <laughs> because what That's he's earning terrifying. from writing isn't enough to do it. Now, admittedly, he's probably living in an expensive, you know, LA or whatever is very expensive, but still. It is, but the, the problem is, like, you know, we go, oh, yeah, 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 fancy people, they're living in the rich areas. They kind of have to. 
Oh yeah, yeah, like, no, like, like, they, like it's it's not like a choice for a lot. Of, I mean, the, the career was a choice, obviously, but once you're in that career and you you've got if you're a, if you worked your way up to being a showrunner, you kind of have to live in that area. Oh, no. shit, it's expensive. If, if that's where the industry is, then that's where you got to live. Yeah, there's no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, admittedly, writing to an extent can be done remotely, but. Like, yes, but as we have, again, just learned in a post-pandemic world, just because things can be done remotely and can be done better <laughs> remotely doesn't mean companies will let you do it remotely. Uh, anyway, anyway. So, yes, that's the Raiders Guild stuff. Uh, so, let's get into some uh, new shows to talk about then. So, we have the comedies. Uh, Netflix has done something unique here. Well, it's not unique in general, but it's unique for Netflix. Uh, so... This is just a, you know, it's a comedy show that's in development, that's being ordered. What makes this unique, just for Netflix, not for anyone else, is that they have, for the first time in the history of Netflix, ordered a pilot. Oh. They've not ordered a show or a season, they've ordered a pilot. Wait, did, did Netflix just look at the rest of the industry they tried to destroy and went, hey, <laughs> may, maybe it worked for, you know, decades for a reason? Yeah, apparently this is not a sign of, uh, like, things changing. This is the only pilot they've ordered. They're still doing things normally. Apparently they like the sound of this show, but they want to just get a, a sense of it and see how it works for an episode before they make any cut, which is what most networks do a it, lot it, of the It's time, almost but... like the networks, you know, had a good idea going. <laughs> Where they could go, you yeah, know, yeah, it sounds promising. Let's see how it works before we commit to this. Yeah, baffling stuff. But um, so yes, they're working on Little Sky. They've ordered a pilot for Little Sky, a single camera comedy starring an executive produced by Samara Weaving, uh, who's uh, something of a of a, a scream queen these days. Between yeah. uh, Ready or Not, Babysitter, and uh, a small role in Scream Six. Uh, so they've ordered a pilot from creator uh, Rater Doyle, uh, who's also set to direct the pilot. So, yeah, um, Little Sky centers on Penelope Paul Porter, played by Weaving, who is determined to realize her lifelong dream of being a respected on-air news reporter, despite the fact that she may be the worst reporter of all time. When she receives an anonymous tip that the mayor of Little Sky is missing, she knows it's her chance to finally prove herself. Arriving in the spooky remote town of Little Sky, she senses she's on to a big story. But little does she know, she stumbled upon something much darker than she could have ever imagined. You dodged a bullet there, because that's not her hometown. <laughs> it's not, no. Um, that sounds like a perfectly good premise for a, for a comedy. Not a long-running comedy, though. That's a one-season comedy. It didn't, well, no. See, this is what they, the, the problem is they've called it Little, Little Rock, was it? Little Sky. Little Sky. Um, the problem is that they've tied it to that town. They have, yes. Yeah. See, the, the, the premise of, you know, her trying to be a reporter but being terrible, that could go multiple seasons easily. But yeah, because yeah. they tied it to this spa- this place that it's not where she's from or, what you know, or, you know well, where which her means job is. all likelihood by the end of the season she'll choose to stay in the town and season two is just her being a reporter in this town. Yeah, they, they, they learn to love her there. Yes. And yeah, then they she's... get sick of her by the time season two rolls around. They're all misfits. She's going to fit in as a terrible reporter. Yeah. Excellently. All right. Ken Jeong uh, is going to star and executive produce in a new comedy show called 10% Happier. It's in the works at Fox. It's based on Dan Harris's best-selling book and podcast of the same name. 
the single camera comedy follows a man and mid-level juice company executive juice company <laughs> mid-level <laughs> juice company of that uh, who finds himself in a major life rut after a panic attack at work he has an epiphany where he realizes he needs to change everything about the way he lives in order to become 10% happier. I might be 10% happier if I never heard that description. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, NBC is uh, going, making a sports uh, mockumentary style sitcom. Uh, ah, so, so what happened is they saw Ted Lasso and went, we want some of that. Well, to be fair, mockumentary style, though, is NBC's thing. Like, Parks and Rec, The Office, like, they've done many of this. I, I agree, but I'm still calling it as the popularity of Ted Lasso, and they're like, hell, we can do that. Sure, okay, sure, but they're, they're going with the NBA here rather than... Well, yeah. Yeah. Stupid. they got to at least change the sport. They can't copy it directly. Stupid British football. It would be funny, though, if it was about an American who went <laughs> to an English football team. That, that would be ballsy as hell if they tried it. Footballsy. <laughs> so uh, yes um so nba legend steph curry is uh on board we Curry's... Know who that is. sorry we definitely know who that is oh yeah absolutely uh curry is to star alongside adam pally and mr throwback is the title of the show uh, which comes from Happy Endings creator David Casp and rating duo Matthew Liebman and Daniel Liebman. So the series is about a down-on-his-luck memorabilia dealer. Dealer? Dealer. Dealer. A down-on-his-luck memorabilia dealer. It's because it's right after memorabilia. They throw me off these two words together. You really struggled even that second time when you were really thinking about Memorabilia dealer. Looking for redemption by reuniting with his sixth grade teammate, NBA legend Steph Curry. Uh, it's in development at NBC, and that's pretty much it. Uh, so, to be fair, it's, you know, it's, it doesn't sound like someone who's actually working in the NBA. Is this the central, you know? No, not straight away. <laughs> well, things might go very well for him if he gets to the NBA. <laughs> hey, hey, stranger things have happened. Uh, all right. Uh, so that's Mr. Throwback from NBC. Okay, onto the, onto the dramas then. Um, there's not really much news to go with this first one, but it's easily the biggest story of the week. What was it? A super hip happening week for exciting TV news. Does this mean it's the Star Wars stuff, and this is why you're so begrudging about no, it? because that's not in your show, you already knew about that show. No, this is Harry Potter. The, the Harry Potter oh, show on HBO Max yeah. is uh, uh, inching towards happening. Uh, but, uh, I couldn't help but notice this came like three days after J.K. Rowling's company was like 75% like down in profit or something stupid like that. Uh, because she's a massive word I'm not allowed to say on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, she's not very nice, is she? She's a... Uh... No. No. Uh, terrible human being. She's especially hateful. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, so the, the main thing about this though is that it's not like a sequel thing. It's not set somewhere else. You know, they're not doing Fantastic Beasts again, where they're going to try and do another corner of the universe. This would be an seven season adaptation of the books. This would be remaking the same story that the movies did. 
which on paper i think makes sense i think you know the the the, the book it's naturally you know broke up into school years i think that lends itself to a you know I, a tv season format. i agree in a vacuum i think because the movies exist though i don't think it's been long enough i i think you know the last movie was what 2011 something like that yeah 2011 2012 something like that right it's, it's been about the time this comes out probably about 15 years yeah by the time it eventually airs probably about 15 years like it, this just goes along with like us being like everything's too quick now to come back like you know spider-man is like literally hey, spider-man's had like two two reboots in the time that, that since we've had the last harry potter movie well no that's what i'm getting at though is that spider-man literally had a new reboot had a sequel to that reboot and then joined the MCU. That reboot that started started after the MCU started, and then it failed, and then we got the MCU version. <laughs> so this is how quick things like happen now, and it just it kind of feels like to me like you know if you're think- if you're doing this, it's not going to be that long before they're doing ah oh, that Lord of the Rings TV show didn't exactly everyone's life on fire. Let's just do a new show, but it's just adapting the books again, even though everyone yeah. loves the trilogy. You know, and I, I don't care part, about the trilogy. I don't care about the Harry Potter movies, but you know, I think, we can, I think part of the problem though is they're so tied to those versions being the the iconic version. It's it's like right, okay, no one can really write a new Superman theme, right? Because no matter yes. what, we're gonna go back to the John Williams theme. It's the same Lord of the Rings. A lot of the the visual style was established in those movies. That is the visual style of Lord of the Rings. For the foreseeable future, and I think you know the the TV show that we did have worked because it could use those things, and it could keep that style and still be its own thing. If you, the problem with this Harry Potter one is, you know, they 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 can't just use the same style, right? Because otherwise, well, it is just the movies. They have to drastically change it, mm. but they're not going to because they're so tied to that vision. They have the they have that you know that style of architecture in their in their theme parks. Oh, and they, 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 they sell merch, like the robes that the kids wear and everything. Like they right. sell tons like of those we, things. We just had a game come out that was unrelated to the movies, but still a lot of the movie. Looked, exactly, it looks like the movie, give or take. Right, there's some creative license, but give or take, it's it's more or less the same. And the show, if you're redoing it, you have to justify why it's different, and that that means you know making drastic changes. Are they going to change the way it looks? Are they going to completely change the music, or is it going to be we're gonna get. We're gonna use John Williams's music as a base, and we'll we'll get someone new to do the rest. Because like John Williams only did the first. I want to say three Harry Potter's, maybe four, and then you know other people did the rest, but still using his his themes as the base mark for like the the rest of the entire franchise. And I think it's gonna be the same, you know, with this show. And again, which again was fine for Fantastic Beasts. You can have people, you know, use, uh, we, we can, you know, we can stay in that world because it's supposed to be in the same continuity. This here now is, is going to be so different in, in its continuity that I don't think they're going to be brave enough to make those choices to be different enough to, to, you know, make it feel different. No. And it also that's, wouldn't, that's it wouldn't surprise it also wouldn't surprise me if like they intentionally do little things that are like nods to the movies specifically 
Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I've never read the book, so I, I don't even know what the... I, I, I mean, I'm trying to think if there is anything specifically that you could nod to the movie that you can't just say, oh, well, it's referencing the book as well, really. Like, it wouldn't shock me if, like, I don't know, um, maybe there's a reference to an actor who was in the movie or something, or, or you know, something meta, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Like, I, I could see them pulling that kind of shit uh, yeah. as much as they, they can get away with. Uh yeah, Harry Potter is just this weird thing to me. This this IP, this franchise that just never appealed to me when it came out, and I was and people my age loved it. You know, you hate whimsy, I, I, and those those first like... movies in particular were very whimsical. Yeah, I don't like whimsy. That's true. That's very true. Um, it just it never appealed to me, and it's the you know it became this juggernaut, and it's just I, I don't know. It's just it's just weird thing to me that it just it exists and everyone loves it so much and i i've just never connected with it in any level it's it's one, like, i'm a bit more aware i did love it like a lot you know when i, when I was young it was you know i must have been uh seven or eight something like that when the first movie's coming out and i'd already read the first couple of books by that point you know i have vivid memories of you know going in, you know I, I was actually I, I don't know which book it must have been the fifth one I was going on holiday at like 5 a.m. the next morning when that came out. So I had to go, you know, and I was like, well, I wanted it for the, the five-hour coach journey that I had for this holiday. So I had to get, queue up at midnight to go and get the book to then read it on the, the coach and then finish the whole thing on that coach journey. So, like, you know, but, but now it's like, well, J.K. Rowling is the uh, previously aforementioned word I cannot say. <laughs> You know, uh, it kind of ruins a lot of the enjoyment. I, I didn't even watch the last Fantastic Beast movie. Mm. I, I watched the, the second yeah, one was yeah. just not that good, right? And yeah, but given the box office, I don't think a lot of people watched that last Fantastic Beast movie. No, exactly. I I I liked the first one well enough, actually. It's not perfect, but I liked it. The second one I was like, eh, well, that was fine. That was you know whatever. Mm. And then by the time the third one came out, I just like, yeah, I don't care anymore. Which is, you know, for me, was a little bit sad because, like I say, oh, it, it was a franchise I liked a lot, and now it's like, yeah, there's, I see this news. Oh, you know, and, and like, I'm that, like I said, on paper, it's like, yeah, on paper that this should be, you know, better, more faithful adaptation to the books. You know, especially some of those movies adapted the books better than others. Mm -hmm. uh, Four was a mess. Uh, was a terrible movie. Uh, no. Terrible adaptation. We'll not say it's a terrible movie, but it was a terrible adaptation. The difference. Whereas yeah. five, uh, five was probably one of the less faithful versions, but also for the best. Like it, it really knew what to cut in a good way. Um, yeah. Also, so, yeah, the know. books typically get thicker as they go, more or less. So I do wonder if the first couple of seasons might like almost struggle and have to add in more than. Like, it's rather than having been able to adapt everything the movies didn't, I feel like the first couple might actually have to add in more stuff to fill out the, the 10 yeah, episodes you, or whatever you'd, you'd want to go, ideally, you'd be like going with the, uh, like the expanse route of, well, you know, we can get two mm. books in this season. Ah, uh, but like you time. said, it fits the school seasons. It does. They're going it to, does. It really does. Yeah, they're, they're going to do it, you know, each start of season will be the start of the school year, end with the end well, of the school year. Most, if not all of the books... Not not count the last one because they they don't really follow the school year at all, but most of them have a little bit of the start before the school year, like you know the end of the summer, mm -hmm. and then you have the school year, you know and then, you know up to you have your Christmas break, uh, and they end, they they don't follow the summer at the end. They end like you know as 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 the school year ends pretty much. 
almost, almost all of them do that exclusively, like that exact formula. And it, it, that fits really neatly for a TV show. You can have your first episode kind of be, you know, okay, you've got your, your end of summer stuff. Kind of, you know, work back in. But yeah, it, it, it's hard to be excited for this. Yeah. I'm trying to imagine, just, just based on my memory, which is admittedly not great at the first movie, I'm just trying to imagine what the end of episode one cliffhanger is. Um, well, is so it, the, is if, if I'm doing the if I'm doing it the first episode, the the early you know the 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 baby Harry's being delivered stuff, uh-huh. that's your your pre credits. So your you know sure, your, yeah. your intro scene. I thought you were going to say that's the end of episode one. So what the hell are you talking about? No. What the hell else you did for the hour? No, and then I I think you do. No, I'll tell you where you end it. You end it on your wizard Harry. Uh, Hagrid. Uh, okay. Yeah. So you have like Hagrid, you, know, you have all of them trying. You know, there's all that stuff. The sound of them trying to contact them. There's, the book has a little bit more in this that that you can kind of go with in the movie. So to stretch it out to an hour or forty minutes easier, and it ends. You know, Hagrid comes in and they're like, you know, who the hell are you? You know, what's going on here? You know, you're a wizard, Harry. Credits. I think I think that's how, I think that's what you do for the first episode. Mm-hmm. At least that's what I'd do. Yeah. Well, it's probably going to happen because the, the, it will be it will su- make them money. It will be successful enough. I mean, the only potential problem is that everyone doesn't like the new versions of all the characters enough that they kind of, you know, people turn on it effectively. There is a possibility of that, but I no, I think what I say is you're guaranteed the first season. This hundred percent will happen. Oh yeah, yeah, that, that no, obviously. Well, I, I'm saying the the pitfalls of doing it though is that you could in effect sully the brand even more. And because we're in a weird place where Fantastic Beast did a lot of damage, right? And mm. effectively, what's happening now is that J.K. Rowling her cash cow is Harry Potter itself. Everything that's sort of came after and try, you know, everything else she's done, everything she's trying to do, to sort of extend it. Not so much. But Harry Potter itself and all the merch that comes from Harry Potter, the core thing, still a cash cow. So, yeah. Yeah, by all accounts, the game sold pretty well. And I imagine uh, it did, yeah. Yeah. And, and and I've not really played much of it, but it seems like a perfectly fine game. Well, it doesn't seem like a terrible game. Uh, you know, a little bit standard open world, you know, loot or shooter almost. But, you know, it's not a bad game from what I can tell. Maybe not bad inspired either. Yeah, it sounds a bit boring. Uh, it's, but that sounds like a lot of big AAA games. Let's be fair to it. That's not just a Harry Potter problem. <laughs> sounds like an Ubisoft game for your trust. It, it's it, it, a little bit, yeah. But <laughs> you know, that's there's there's still a scale of good Ubisoft games and bad ones in that style. And, and this is like, yeah, no, it's it's fine from what I can tell. Again, I've, I've, I've played like twenty minutes. So you made a character, that's what you, you tell. I, I got through all the intro, and then. Um, so basically, I rented it. Well, Paige rented it. It arrived while we were moving. I had no internet. So you obviously, you can't do the day one patch. It lets you play far enough to do the intro section. And it goes, all right, you just, it's like, right, okay, Hogwarts time. Let's go. And then it's like, you need to install the day one patch to play any further. Like, it just literally just comes up like that and boots you out of the game. After, yeah, about 20, 30 minutes. And then I just didn't go back. Uh, this this is why buying physical games now is pointless. It's just a it's a coaster. Yeah. It's a coaster with a, an access key on it to let you download it. 
but they are sometimes cheaper, which is why I do it. I mean, that, yeah, that's like the only benefit now. And and for me, I you know, I love is I I rent a lot of games. Yeah, but that that especially is especially single player things like that. That is it though. Like like yeah. that is the only this idea of like collecting because I'll have it in the future if everything goes down. Well, no, because some of them just do that. Some of them yeah. just kick you out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That concept of it is yeah is dead. Okay, well, let's move on from Harry Potter because I I really don't want to talk about it anymore. Uh, not talk about Star Wars instead. Not really. I might cheer you up. Not really. We're not in the section to talk about this Star Wars thing. You can add it on at the end, you little prick. No, we should have done it earlier, but you know, fine. Star Wars, I mean, at least I like the original trilogy. I'll say that for Star Wars. As opposed to Harry Potter, where I feel nothing for any of it. And then, just, I mean, just, are there none of the other movies you would say you, you like? For Star Wars? Yeah, outside the original trilogy. I enjoyed Force Awakens well enough when I saw it in 2015. I suspect if I tried to watch it again now, I might not like it as much. That's fair, because that was right at the start of the nostalgia reboot se- mm-hmm. sequel I think, series. I, I think that's kind of in in hindsight after a lot yeah, of others. It, I, it probably doesn't hold up as well for people. I think I would notice a lot of the trends that it started, and it would probably bother me a lot more. And also, there's the problem of knowing how they just kind of like do nothing with all the characters that they introduce, which yeah, is yeah, that, a, problem that is a problem too. So yeah, and it's not obviously it's not a complete standalone story, so you can't even just enjoy it yeah. on that level either no last jedi i remember if i remember from the time you like it more as a movie you respect what it's doing you just dislike some of the the, the pacing and stuff mostly pacing and just like i don't like that it feels like a series of side plots yeah uh that, that was my big, big problem with it i mean i'll take it night and day over rise of skywalker which is just a dumpster fire mm. of shit but <laughs> every time I think about that movie, I like it a little bit less. But I, I don't, you know, it, yeah, it's, it's, uh... yeah. Did you ever watch Solo? No, not seen it yet. I would love to see you watch Solo. I'll, I mean, I'll be doing it eventually because we'll, we'll have to do it in Ace at some point. Yeah, because we had Star Wars, so we're, I think we're doing Empire sometime in the next few months. So that makes sense. Uh, it's Jedi's fortieth this year, I think. Oh, is it? So, so, you know, maybe maybe you should do Jedi this year as well. This doesn't seem unfeasible. No. I'll bring that up to my uh, correspondent. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure she'll approve. Um. All right, next up. Speaking of things being rebooted. Oh, God, more. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Cruel Intentions has, uh, has been Try in the again. Works. Well, so the last thing they tried was a sequel series to the movie starring Sarah Michelle Gellar, who, of course, yeah. was the hit television show Buffer the Vampire Slayer. Uh, well, she was in it. She wasn't. She was. She, she, she was the hit television <laughs> show. <laughs> She's like Walter White. I am the one at Knox. I am the hit television show. <laughs> right. So that was like a sequel bringing people back type of show this is not this is actually going to this is like a fresh reboot readapting the source material kind of thing mm-hmm. um so this was in works at amazon freebie for the last year or two um although now it seems like it might just be on prime proper uh which kind of makes sense i feel like they'd want to go higher profile with it yeah uh, it's like kind of a cult movie right it's yeah pretty, it's pretty loved by by its fans, but I don't think its fan base is that huge. 
Yeah, I, I don't think there's any risk of this in the sense that, yeah, people who like the movie will probably check it out to see what it's like, but I think there's more of a potential for a new audience to this than there is for a big, massive, like, oh, there's back, everyone's going to see it, <laughs> kind of yeah. thing. Because, I don't know, I love the movie. I, 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 want to, I want to clarify, I don't necessarily think it's a great movie, but I love it. And... I don't, I'll be like, yeah, sure, if they make another, you know, a, a TV show, so I'm sure, I'll check it out. I but, remember having strong feelings on it one way or the other, to be honest, but... There's there's a few movies that, like, around that period, like that, uh, Empire Records, I love. That's another one that, again, it's not necessarily a good movie, but I, I think it's it's just mm-hmm. like, when I want a, a specific type of movie that's just, I want to watch something like that, these are, like, the go-tos. That, uh, Heather's, it's obviously a bit more popular than the others, I think. But, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I feel like I've seen the first 10 minutes of Cruel Intentions 2 like eight times just because it was always on the cable movie channels. And then uh, you're like, okay, I'm bored now. Sorry? And then you went, okay, I'm bored now. Yeah. And turned yeah. Over someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so a series adaptation is set in Washington, D.C. comes from writers Phoebe Fisher and Sarah Goodman. Uh, so, and this new incarnation of the premise, which is rooted in the novel. Les Liaisons Dangerouses by Chardelieu de Lesieux. I can't speak French. Ah, screw the French, it's fine. Uh, two ruthless step-siblings will do anything to stay on top of each other? Question mark? Mm, no? uh, I mean, sometimes. In this case of the Greek life hierarchy at the elite Washington, D.C. college, after a brutal hazing incident threatens the entire panhellenic system uh they'll do whatever's necessary to preserve their power and reputations even seduce the daughter of the vice president of the united states i thought i was going to say vice president of the school i did <laughs> like, as well yeah, yeah united states all right okay yeah <laughs> really i mean up high all right uh well if you're gonna remake it you gotta like turn off a few notches i suppose uh yeah i'm not interested like that uh, sounds like a sleazy show it's mean. very it, it that, that's the movie yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but it's the sort of thing where even if the movie's good and i don't really remember if i thought it was very good but if it even if it was good it's the sort of thing where i feel like that's kind of a lightning in the bottle thing where the right yeah. creators had the right tone with the right style and made it work uh, i can just see the you know slightly coming in the slightly sexed up cw version yeah. of this that will be on amazon you know that's what I'm expecting from this as well. Yeah. So not high hopes. Like I said, I'll probably check it out of curiosity, but definitely not high hopes. It'll be CW with nipples. Let's be honest. That's what it's going to be. Yeah, probably. <laughs> All right. Robert De Niro is attached to star in a Billy Ray penned crime drama series. It's in the works at Paramount Plus. Um, it's called Bobby Meritorious, an original series that comes from Paramount Television Studios. Uh. They got it in a competitive situation, and as part of the deal, uh, they're so this is adapting uh, a book called "Doing Justice: A Prosecutor's Thoughts on Crime, Punishment, and the Rule of Law." So you can That's see why they changed yeah. the title. <laughs> so uh, the series is set amid the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York, which is a sovereign kingdom with seemingly unlimited power and scope. But now an informant in SDNY's biggest case, Avery the Sage Accomando, played by De Niro, 
is poised to tear this storied institution apart. Only one man can stop him, a fabled ex-cop turned prosecutor, affectionately known as Bobby Meritorious. The battle between these two giants is a fight for justice itself. I appreciate the attempts, but that still sounded as dry <laughs> as possible. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, thank you. Um, Was it De Niro that just a few weeks ago we were talking about how Oh, his first TV role. Yep, yep, this is his second and, limited series. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, yeah. you, know, you wait for one, and then two come at once. It's just another sign of how things have changed. Like, yeah. actors in like the 70s and 80s who were movie stars wouldn't catch themselves dead being on TV, because that was lowering themselves. That was career death. Yeah. Now it's like, oh, a prestigious limited series. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was good for your career. That'll give you some acting, you know, stretching your legs. Yeah. It's a... Uh... These days, it's a a good you know way to you know a little vehicle to to showcase an actor and like hey you got even more time in this when you get a movie. So you get him for cruel intentions. He can go around investigating the nipples. See if it's see if it can it. be milked. Yeah. As a reference to what? How old is that movie now? It's got to be at least twenty years. Beat the parents? Yes, yeah, about two thousand ish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So because I had nipples in the brain from the last time. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> so. I was just not expecting the reference to that of all things. Uh, I actually always that joke always kind of annoyed me a little bit because I'm like, there's a comeback for it. You know, because he says you can milk out of my nipples, and he says I've got nipples, Greg. Can you milk me? What you should have said to that is, well, no, only the females could be milked. Yeah, you can milk any female with nipples, Robert. You dumb son of a bitch. <laughs> I, just, I just like De Niro's entire filmography as you went to meet the parents reference well a taxi driver reference didn't seem to fit <laughs> well you didn't try hard enough <laughs> alright next up Amazon Studios is developing Koreatown a one hour drama set in LA's Koreatown from radio executive producer Jean Hong who worked on Magnum P.I. and Alan Yang who worked on Loop uh Written by Hong, Koreatown centers on two Korean-American brothers, a savvy nightclub owner and a recovering addict who must put aside their complicated past and run a drug operation in order to keep their dying mother alive. Okay. Yeah, I've got nothing to add to that. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing to make fun of. Uh, it's written competently well enough. Uh they dodged any. They technically bring up professional and personal lives, but yeah, they, they but dodge they, they any. Don't hit, they don't hit the yeah. cliche phrasing, so the, it's like okay, yeah. So yeah, they 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 got around it, so that's fine. Uh, I mean, it's it's a show. Doesn't sound like it's for me, you know. I'm, I can't help but feel Breaking Bad vibes. Oh sure. You know, you know, oh let's let's turn to you know a drug empire essentially to to. to in this case, you know, well, was it to, to try and save the, the dying mother? But, uh, you know, it's not that different to, oh, well, I'm dying from cancer. Let's, I need to leave money for my family. Hmm? I'll probably have a different uh, tone. A I mean, I... Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. But that description, just uh, again, I think you could write a description for Breaking Bad that on paper is very similar to that. Uh, all right. Orlando Bloom is going to play an American linguist in a series based on Maggie O'Farrell's This Must Be the Place. I forgot he was a person. Is Orlando Bloom American? I don't know. I didn't... I think I'm I thought sure. he was English for some reason. 
Maybe he is, but it's just because he's playing an American linguist, it just sounds a bit weird to cast someone who's not American to do that. No, he is English. Okay. Thought, uh, yeah. All right. Okay. Bold move. Hopefully, he can do the accent well. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's from Kent. <laughs> he's very English then. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like typical posh southerner. Right. Okay. Um, so he's playing an American linguist, uh, as you do. Uh, so he's going to executive produce as well. Uh, it's in the works at Amazon. We're back to Amazon again. Uh, so Susan Heathcott, who served as showrunner on the third season of Killing Eve, is going to write and executive produce the adaptation. Uh, the book follows Daniel Sullivan, who leads a complicated life, a New Yorker living in the wilds of Ireland. So he's going to be a New Yorker. He's, he's an Englishman he's playing, a New, playing a New Yorker living in Ireland. <laughs> okay. Tell me more. Good luck, good luck. He has children... Uh, he oh sorry he has children he never sees that live in California a father he loads in Brooklyn and his wife Claudette a reclusive ex film star given to pulling a gun on anyone who ventures up their doorway together they have made an idyllic life in the country but a secret from Daniel's past threatens to destroy their meticulously constructed and fiercely protected home. Secret from the past. That's their Thank you, Orlando Bloom. He never fails. Um, I'm getting married couple banshees of Inisherin here in this. That's just because it's said Ireland. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there is nothing else about that that even sounds remotely like that movie. And if we can pull off a New Yorker who's got a slight Irish twing or twang because he's been living there for a while, I'll be impressed. Yeah, yeah, I will be as well. I, I don't, I don't, I don't hate Orlando Bloom. Let me just make this very clear. I don't think he's that bad, mm. but I do not have faith in his abilities to pull that specific scenario off. This is how we sound in Arizona. Okay, that was a what we do in the shadows reference for anyone who didn't get it. Uh, all right, Netflix has ordered a show called Tall Pains, an eight-episode limited series from May Martin. Uh, Ryan Scott, uh, Ben Farrell, and his objective, objective fiction and sphere media. So, uh, Martin will serve as creator, co-showrunner, and executive producer, and he will also play the lead role in the series. And uh, it's one of the first original series that Netflix has ordered from Canada. So, wait, really? Uh, that's something that, that can't possibly be true. Well, it says first commissions for Netflix Canada, so maybe it's just. Since they created a division called Netflix Canada, this okay, is the first thing they've done. Because so the amount of TV shows that shoot in Canada because cheap. Well, they shoot, yeah, but they're, they're not Canadian productions, though. They're American-funded no. productions that just happen to shoot in Canada. Yeah. There's a difference. There is, but given the amount of um, worldwide content that Netflix has, it's surprising to me that they haven't got more Canadian content. Yes. I don't know. It feels like it would have been an easy next step from from where they were. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they'll order Orange is the New Black, eh? Any, any, any day now. Terrible. That was so bad. House of Cards, eh? Well, they've got to remake that at some point, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, but Canadian House of Cards, like, no one could be as, as evil as Frank was in House of Cards in the Canadian version. They're all I, I love nice it. Like, okay. The, the the original British one, yeah, okay, that makes sense. The the American one, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Canadian one, nah, nah, not possible. I think you should do the Aussie one next. 
<laughs> it's, instead of like you know uh goading your employees into sexual encounters it'll be accidentally brushing against them going oh i'm sorry i'm so sorry i'm so i'm so sorry we made contact that, yeah. that, that'll be the canadian uh anyway the tall pines is a thriller set in a uh, bucolic but sinister town that explores the insidious underbelly of the troubled teen industry troubled teen industry uh, and the eternal struggle between one generation and the next like troubled teen i would i would assume it would be like you know runaways things like that but industry yeah that implies they're like being yeah. used for something or whatever they have a union I, d- I highly doubt it. <laughs> oh, I really should get a union. Uh, Alright, Disney Plus has unveiled a German original about a teenager who falls in love with the devil. Uh, this comes from... I mean... <laughs> uh, this comes from the team behind Netflix's How to Sell Drugs Online. So, it's called Pauline, is the name of the show, and it follows the eponymous protagonist, an 18-year-old who accidentally becomes pregnant from a one-night stand. With school stress, the climate crisis, and the downfall of society weighing heavily on her mind, something she doesn't need at all right now is catching feelings. Especially since the guy she hooked up with is the devil. This sounds stupid and I love it. <laughs> yes. Uh, I actually, some, I lost like the end of that description a little bit. Luckily I remembered what it was. <laughs> <laughs> Probably could have guessed where it was going, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm sure it told me the name of the guy who's the devil, but oh, he's devil, he's Satan. It's fine, just go with it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't have anything to add to that. But Disney Plus are branching out and making weird shit, so there you go. Uh, I'm all for it. Hulu! Uh, they are developing a show with uh, Sterling K. Brown, who's going to star in it. Um, it's untitled, but it comes from Dan Fogelman, uh, who's who's... Uh, creating it. Spec script by him and was reviewed uh, by Hulu and they're all for it, apparently. Um, but they're all keeping hush-hush. There's no synopsis yet, so there's not much to say, but Sterling K. Brown's in a new show at Hulu is the news. Okay. I, I, I have no strong opinion because there is no there's strong nothing, story. Yeah, there's nothing to have an opinion about. I, I, I completely agree. I, I, I like him well enough as an actor. I'm, I'm sure he'll yep. be good even if it's a terrible show. Alright, which well, takes us on to the last news story of the week. Uh, and we're, we're at a network though, Fox. Yeah. Has yeah. given a straight-to-series order to a medical procedural drama <sighs> called... <laughs> oh god what is it Doc that it yeah DOC Doc someone uh, must have used that already apparently, apparently not uh, a US adaptation of a popular Italian series called Doc uh, actually the full title is Doc Nel to Mani uh, it's yeah got a premiere in the 2023-2024 season um, blah 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 it's coming from writer, executive producer, showrunner Barbie Kligman from uh, the recent Magnum PI. Uh, the original doc series created and produced by Leuvid, uh, a fermental company that centers on a male doctor with amnesia, played by Luca Argentero. In the US version, the lead is undergoing a gender swap. Uh, Foxy's doc centers on the hard-charging, brilliant doctor Amy Elias, chief of internal and family medicine 
at Westside Hospital in Minneapolis. After a brain injury erases the last eight years of her life, Amy must navigate an unfamiliar world where she has no recollection of her patients she's treated, colleagues she's crossed, the soulmate she divorced, and the man she now loves, and the tragedy that caused her to push everyone away. She can really only rely on her estranged 70-year-old daughter, whom she remembers as a 9-year-old, and a handful of devoted friends as she struggles to continue practicing medicine despite having lost nearly a decade of knowledge and experience. But notably, still her medical training. The, the, the medical school years are still there. Yeah, yeah, it's convenient. Yeah. Um... Oh, that sounds miserable. <laughs> I actually think there's an okay concept in the middle of all that. It's just, this is not going to be good. Like No, no not on Fox. The idea that you remember your kid is a nine-year-old and they're now like 18 is actually, okay, there's, there's, there's an interesting story to play there. But the way they're yeah. doing this, oh, there's a mystery to like why she like turned everyone away before she lost her memory and she's going to have to discover it. That just sounds tedious. Yeah, that's so TV. It's like, could she not just lost her memory? It's fine. Yep, 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 yep. That was enough of a premise already. Yeah. Also, was it a personal and professional in there? Was it worded as a personal and professional? Well, I mean, must navigate unfamiliar world. Uh, no recollection of the patient she's treated, colleagues she's crossed, or the soulmate she's divorced. Oh, yeah, you know what? Um, maybe I will give that one. Uh, that, that, that feels on the cusp to me. Yeah. Yeah, go on, screw it. It's the last story. It's the last story, yes. Uh, why, why not? <laughs> why not? Uh, I don't need an excuse. Well, there you go. That's the, that's the news for the week. Uh, hopefully, you've uh, you've enjoyed the the tangents and rambles as we went. And we've got one more yet. Oh, yeah, Carl, I still have some yeah, Star yeah. Wars I do, shite. I do want to talk about some Star Wars shite. Because there's like... Star Wars shite. But how do you not want to talk about that? It was mostly movie stuff. What was the TV? Um, so the TV stuff, they gave us uh, release windows for a few things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously we got the trailer for Ahsoka, um, which I thought looked pretty solid. Uh, it was... In- so obviously there's a lot of characters from Rebels that they're doing in live action now for the first time. You know, Hera, Chopper, Sabine... Uh, Thrawn. We get glimpses of some of those. What, what what is that face for? I just the way you said all those names, like I would recognize any of them. If you were gonna recognize one, it might have been Thrawn, because he was like the big villain and he he was like the one but if if you've heard of anything from the old EU stuff, the pre-Disney stuff, it was the heir to the Empire trilogy that was like that the like one of the big things. And he was the villain in that. Mm-hmm. Beloved villain from Star Wars lore, outside of the movies. Um, it was brought back in Rebels. Uh, it was voiced by, um, oh my god, uh, Mads Mikkelsen's brother, whose first name I am completely blanking on. But it was Mads Mikkelsen's brother. And uh, did a very good job. Serge. Um, it's, it's not that, but hey, why not? Let's go with it. <laughs> oh, um, that's okay. Go on, go on. <laughs> yeah, uh, and he, he, he was great on that show. And obviously this show is a, a kind of, is, it's a sequel to Rebels, uh, and it's fun seeing some of those characters, just even in a trailer, just, oh, yeah, okay, it's nice seeing them. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead as, as, as one of them. Yeah, that's nice. Love her. Uh, and that's coming in August, so looking forward to that. 
they they mentioned Andor. They're aiming for season two to be August of next year. They basically said, you know, they're they're shooting it now. They're planning on shooting all the way up till August this year, and then about a year on post. Um, the other show, uh, what was it called? It's the Jude Law one, Skeleton Crew. Mm. Uh, that is still aiming for this year. I would expect probably the end of this year. If if Ahsoka's coming in August, that'll probably be eight, let's say eight episodes. Like if it's the same as Mandalorian. Um. So yeah, I'd probably expect November, maybe December for Skeleton Crew. That's the one that's Jude Law and a bunch of kids. Um, okay. And they've they've likened it to '80s Amblin movies, like the the Goonies. So I'm very intrigued to see what that is because they've not given us even a, a teaser trailer or anything yet. Nothing. Uh, I'm glad you said Amblin movie and not you know the Catholic Church. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a big distinction. Hey, wasn't wasn't Jude Law the Pope in something? I feel like he played a Pope. Was he a Pope? Not in real life, but I think he played a Pope. No, no obviously. No. <laughs> yes, Jude Law the Pope. <laughs> Famously was the last Pope. I can just I can picture him with the red and black uh you know. Oh, he was the he was the, on. the young Pope. The young there you go. Yeah. Or the new or the new Pope? The young Pope, oh, yeah. I, 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 the new I've got two different things. One's the young pope, and one's the the new pope. Did maybe he the, play a pope twice? Maybe maybe there was a sequel or something. I don't know. But I, I, no, he he's played the pope. He's played two popes. The Pope Strikes Back, or is it the? Oh, I'm so confused. Maybe it just has different titles. I don't know. He's he's played. He's at least played one pope. It was that TV miniseries, for sure. Uh, I think it was a HBO show or Showtime. One of them. Right. But yeah. So yeah. right. So he, he new played, Star Wars show. He's the Pope. He's got a bunch of kids with him. He's Dumbledore. He's Dumbledore the Pope, and he's got some kids. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure he was Dumbledore in the in, in the last Fantastic Beast movies. That, no, that sounds right. I think he was. Yes. Ah, those movies really made no impact. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely intrigued to see what that is, and then. Uh, they they mentioned the the acolyte, which is the other show, which is the the High Republic one. Um, still working on that. It's due twenty twenty four. They they are you know it's in active production. It's well underway. I assume they're they're shooting that at the minute. Uh, but yeah, yeah, not too much news on that one. Uh, but uh, you know the Ahsoka trailer was the big one. Uh, I'm I'm very intrigued because I'm I'm less keen on this current season of Mandalorian. It felt very aimless. It's very much felt... Okay, I'm, I'm torn. Part of it is Andor was so much better than any other Star Wars live-action show we've had. Like, by far. I don't know if this coming after that has just like, eh, you know, it's just not feeling as good. Or, the, or if it's just the, hey, we, we kind of resolved our big season two emotional beats in a different show and then just didn't address it at all in season three. And we're just pretending mm. nothing happened. And it really feels like there was some executive... Like, Okay, I've not watched the last episode yet. I'm going to watch that after we're done here. But it feels like you could remove Baby Yoda entirely and nothing about any of the plot changes whatsoever. And I'm. it feels like there was a Disney executive that kind of went, no, Fix it. Put him back in. He sells merchandise. We need him. 
Uh, that that's kind of the feeling that I'm getting, and yeah, it's very superfluous. It, it, it's 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 lost a lot of the direction that it had in the first two seasons because of that that specific journey with those characters and a I, season without him. You know, I also I think it, you know I can't believe I have something to chime in here, but I think I saw while I was looking for news an interview with either the creator or some someone at Disney saying basically how. Oh, there's no end in sight. If an audience keeps wanting more Mandalorian, we'll keep making it. Which to me feels like a, a red flag because it's like, well, you, so you don't have a like an I, end okay. game in mind or a map. Or I didn't see that, so I can't address it specifically. But that f- comment feels at odds. With, okay, I have to touch on the movie news here just for the context here. Okay. One of the movies they announced was Dave Filoni doing a, a live action movie, uh, and Dave Filoni, he's the guy behind. He, you know, he did Clone Wars and and Rebels, and he's basically, you know, co-running this sh- uh, Mandalorian show with with John Favreau. Uh, and and between, you know, Mandalorian, Boba Fett, Ahsoka, all of that is like the the Dave Filoni verse almost. It's like its own little subsection of Star Wars at this point. And they announced you know, a movie of him capping off his stuff. So that kind of feels like that has to end the Mandalorian, like with that movie if it's not over already I, mean, um, that, I think this was before celebration so maybe that was just maybe yeah they they, they did mention that, i mean one of the producers in an interview at celebration kind of addressed the fact that um din jaren you know that you know pedro pascal's mandalorian isn't necessarily the titular mandalorian anymore because uh, i know that, that like at the end of season two uh and it was like oh yeah boba fett will return in you know the book of boba fett uh, there was about three weeks before they announced that the actual show where there was some debate as to whether or not it would be a different show or if it would just be, this is what Mandalorian season three is because, hey, Boba Fett's a Mandalorian. We can just have, you know, rotate it being, you know, a different Mandalorian that we're following. And they've kind of been doing that this season anyway. Like at least 50% of the focus has been on Bo-Katan, uh, a different Mandalorian from, I think she was introducing Clone Wars. I'm pretty sure she's introducing the Clone Wars. I'm losing the white life here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, you see, this is this is the thing. It gets convoluted. It gets deep in the weeds. I'm following all this, and I'm like, okay, okay, I'm following all this. Yeah, I've 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 been watching Clone Wars and Rebels, you know, when they aired. But my God, if you if you come into this new Star Wars movie that he's making, that's meant to be a capper to all of this stuff, not having watched any of this. Yeah, out of the three movies they announced, that one was a kind of instant, just like, well, I'm never going to be interested in that because I don't care about all this TV nonsense. Uh, The one set 15 years after the sequels were raised, like rebuilding the Jedi Council, sounds like the most creatively just dull move. Like, I just, there's nothing exciting about that. I get where you're coming from. I'm interested, obviously, because I'm a Star Wars fan, but I understand the skepticism for that one. Yeah. Uh, So... The other one is the only one that sounds like it's got any potential. Which James is... Mangold doing Dawn of the Jedi stuff, basically. Yeah. Oh, don't call it Dawn of the Jedi, because it... that just makes me think the... of Dawn of Justice. <laughs> I-, I call it Dawn of the Jedi just because there are books and stuff that used to be set in that era. Like, in, in the... I don't think Disney have published any in that time period, but, you know, pre-Disney, the older you had books that were set, like, you know, th- like tens of thousands of years before, and they were kind of called, like, Dawn of the Jedi. That, that series so that's just why I, i'm using that as shorthand i don't know if they actually use that phrase specifically hmm. um, oh well all right you got your star wars talk in there 
All I'm saying is, they might make you watch the first episode of Ahsoka anyway. I mean, they may, but... I don't... Yeah. I stand by you should go back and watch Andor. Yeah, anyway. Like, legitimately, not just good Star Wars, good TV. I've got, I've got other things I need to watch, though, so... It's, uh, Do you know? It, it's fine. Uh, all right, that that'll wrap up the the TV news for the week, though. Uh, let us know what you thought of the stories that popped up this week, and of course, you can support the content by going to Patreon.com/slash/MailFuzzTV and uh, supporting us over there, or of course, uh, hitting us with a super thanks on YouTube if that's more your thing. But any and all support is appreciated. Uh, but that is the show for the week. Thank you once again for joining us. We always appreciate it. Keep watching TV. Have you got any vanilla?